Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers Indiana News blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at the Hamilton Southeastern Schools Administration Building on Cumberland Road, and uh, I'd like to welcome Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake is the Chief Operations Officer for the Hamilton Southeastern Schools. It's a newly created position with some reorganizing being done over, uh, well, lately in the uh, administrative uh, group, if you will, uh, running HSC schools at the very top. So, Jimmy Lake, welcome. Great to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Um, you are new to the school system. You are not new to Fishers, and we'll talk about that in a moment. So uh, we'll talk about your uh, duties, which are kind of a new set of duties for an administrator in the school system. But for, since you are new to the school system, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, your uh, professional background. Sure, no problem. Well, I am coming basically from academia and also healthcare. I spent approximately about nine years with Ascension. Um, people in Fishers may know it formally as St. Vincent. Um, I was part of a great conglomerate. Um, I, I was on a medical group side, and I oversaw clinics um, from pediatrics to OBGYN to family medicine, and those were dispersed throughout the region. Um, and that was my inroad, and that's where I cut my teeth in operations, healthcare operations more specifically, but uh, operations all around. I had accountability and fiscal accountability for all the clinics that oversee it. There were five plus, and I had a staff approximately, I believe it, it ranged from 75 to 95 staff. Um, this included physicians and front office, uh, down to front office check-in personnel. Um, during that time, um, I worked as an adjunct professor for Anderson University for five and a half years. I taught finance management, healthcare finance management, and business plan development. And this was usually once a week in the evening at um, a cohort site, uh, i.e. Forum Credit Union. That's where the students would meet. Um, or I did it online a few times. Um, but I enjoyed that. That was a diversion from the complexity and the challenges and opportunities that were day-to-day -day in healthcare. Um, I then segued into the MBA director role um, last year. Um, I found that I had got the opportunity to turn around the program, um, so to speak, and increase awareness, and I took that advantage. Um, towards the end of 2021, I looked at my goals and the current role I had at Anderson University, and I didn't see much of alignment. And thus, um, I looked at, uh, I just kept my eyes open. Um, and how I came about this position was that my wife, she works for Kroger, and she was looking to be, become a, um, a substitute teacher, basically. Um, she had a lot of vacation time, so she could plan it, right? Um, and so she was looking on the website and saw this position, and she thought, hey, you know, you should look at this position. It seems to align with your goals and your skill set. 
and the rest is history from there, <laughs> basically. So you, you like myself, sometimes it's your wife pushing you in the right direction to, yes, to, yes. to do what you need to do. But even though you are new to HSC schools, you are not new to Fishers. Your family has lived here for a while. Yes, um, I met my wife. I moved to Indianapolis in 2009. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I moved in 2009. I met my wife in 2010. Um through, um, we had um, the same friends um, and met her at a dinner party, I believe it was, a cookout rather. Um, and then um, I had moved to Fishers then towards the end of 2010. And me and her, we got married 2013. Um, so we've been around Fishers for approximately, I think it's like 12 years, 12 mm-hmm. plus years. Originally, you know, we were on the, all I knew was the west side of Fishers. When I say west side, I'm talking over by Heritage Park, um, Eller, I think we lived in Eller Trails. Um, it's a subdivision over there. So I just knew west side to downtown. I didn't know how vast Hamilton County was. Um, well, even Fishers, if you move to the east, but no, we, you know, the west, that is the, that is the far west boundary between yes. Fishers and Carmel, right through the White River. So you were right there. Yes, and I, I knew of Carmel. I would say that's the east side of Carmel. <laughs> I knew a lot about that, um, but I didn't know how big Fishers was over time. So mm-hmm. um, we've been a part of the community for a long time. Um, you know, we, we've done a lot of um, hikes, going to parks um, over time since Mary. We have four girls. Um, we've done a lot of events and fishers. Um, you know, it's, it's just how things have gravi- like kind of increased over time. My knowledge of fishers has been my journey, you know. Well, 1991 is when my wife and I moved. I moved to fishers. She actually had already built the house here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a town of less than 10,000 people. Oh, wow. Pretty sleepy little place. The school system was largely a rural school system. Mm-hmm. Hamilton Southeastern was the only high school, and it was much smaller. It's been added on too many times since then. So you're right. This is, this, when, when everything moved east and toward the Geist area, that, uh, that made it a, a very different place. And, and the city we know, which is right about 100,000, of course, Hamilton Southeastern School Stakes and even more. Yeah. Then the city officials, both Delaware and, and Fall Creek Townships and Holland, all of Wayne Townships, so you have a large footprint. But let me talk more about the school system because as the, um, taking on the job of chief operations officer, this is a newly created position, and I've been around covering the school system for more than 10 years, and I know that uh, the way that the responsibilities were doled out to the various administrators, some have moved on to other things, some have retired, mm-hmm. so like some of the uh, responsibilities you have now were, were taken on by people in jobs before, right. so... Uh, I guess I, w- I would ask you something about your duties here because sure. uh, I'm sure people know that there might have been another administrator, for instance, that was in charge of administration or in charge of security and that kind of thing, and that's all kind of in your realm. So just briefly tell us what it sure. is you take care of here. So so I'm going to preface this. Uh, we're building the plane as we're flying. Um, and I know that was mentioned at the board meeting, uh, and that's exactly true. But I like the vision Dr. Stokes and the board has. You know, usually when you think of COO or chief operations officer, you think about facilities. But this, uh, it has a dotted line or I, a collaboration with facilities, but that's not my realm, really. Um, my realm is more technology, 
safety and security of the schools as well as health services. Um, and as you as you could tell, I mentioned health, that's my background, operations, technology, and also safety, i.e. healthcare again, um, is my background, you know. Um, so um, those are my responsibilities. I also have the legal and student services portion, as, and I split that. So this role um, that was created um, was the combination of two two and a half positions, you know, which is is great. And each of those responsibilities or categories of responsibilities um, play into my experience. Um, So I I feel very much at home. I feel comfortable and I'm ready to provide opportunities. I'm going to drill down a little bit on some of those uh, responsibilities you mentioned, but you've been on the job really a matter of weeks now. Yeah, six Uh, weeks. Six weeks to be, you know, exactly. Um, I guess what I would ask you now in that six-week period, what have you learned about HSC schools? It's, it's huge. <laughs> um, HSC's footprint is huge. There's a lot of growth. Um, there's mo- more growth on the horizon. I always saw that HSC schools was the fourth largest school district in Indiana. And we're on the heels of Evansville, I believe, and they have 22,000. I see that we're going to eclipse that soon. So what I've learned is we have to prepare for this growth. Um, we have a school out north, is that northeast Durban? Yes. And then out in Deer Creek. So we there there's developments going on out there, uh, house, housing being built and so forth, um, and plans. Um, so I see a lot of growth. What I've learned is we could come alongside and, and help with that growth and provide education for those students from K to 12. Um, We just need to make sure we have everything in line so that we can support it. I think one thing that's a big factor here, of course, Fall Creek and Delaware Townships continue to grow as Mm -hmm. well, although the demographer says that uh, the demographics of our system may flatten out and the growth may not. But where I see the growth, and this happened uh, some two or three years ago, when the mayor of Noblesville Mm -hmm. came to a work session of the Hamilton Southeastern School Board and basically said, you know, we're looking at where our city will grow, and we think we're going to grow into Wayne Township. And kind of gave chapter and verse as to what he planned uh, planned to do in Wayne Township in terms of commercial and industrial growth and the housing that goes with that. So he's looking for his city because of the different because of different uh, reasons he's not able to necessarily grow in other directions. He's looking toward Wayne Township. And and you're right, we are the fourth largest school system in terms of uh, of number of students. And you're right, Evansville's not is right there and you have to go pretty far down to get right. to the next one because yes. we're way ahead of number five <clears throat> so we are probably going to move up in that direction but i guess the question i would ask you you talked about deer creek elementary under construction durban which will no longer be a school system, a school for now right it'll be other uses for educational uses so i'm kind of i'm being a little talkative here to amp, set up this question it looks to me like an uh, the growth, the big growth that's going to come to this school system will probably not be in Fishers. We've always kind of been known as a Fishers school system here at Hamill Southeastern, where I'm sitting. But yet, uh, you may be a Fishers school system, but also have a, a large footprint in Noblesville. What are you seeing in terms of where that future growth is, is likely to come? That's, in, well, 
I'm going to answer that because I was just thinking as you were talking the growth and building that's going on, um, for example, across from Thorpe Creek Elementary, um, Thorpe Creek, the development where well, they're adding more homes, they just broke ground and put in a, a roundabout right there off of 126, mm -hmm. right? Right. So there's some more building going on there and straight out southeastern too. I don't know how far the line goes down southeastern towards Fortville, mm -hmm. but there's more housing being built out there and more families coming into um, the fold of our, our county. And I just don't know where the line stops at out there. But I see growth that way. And also, I think, once again, is it's going to come from, and I'll, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it's northeast mm -hmm. towards Deer Creek. Yes. And I'm looking, I'm using Oleo as my north and mm -hmm. south, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I just learned that a couple of weeks ago. So... <laughs> Yeah, the maps are confusing around here. Yes. I can admit that living here as long as yeah. I have. Yeah, And even, you know, there's been growth downtown, Fishers, with the um, condominium townhomes being built. Those went up over, well, pre-COVID, they were being built. They were somewhere completed. So we're seeing some growth down there as well. Um, and then um, right along where between Fishers Elementary and Lantern, I remember cutting through there, and there was no apartments or condos, right? Now they're, they're just sprung up. So it's going to be a lot of growth coming out of there as well. So it, I, I know it's when you try to predict this, it's, yeah. a very, it's, it's, <laughs> it's dicey to predict right. what's going to happen. And I have to say, since I moved here in 1991, you talk about you know trying to uh, build an airplane in flight. That has been the school system dealing with amazing growth i remember one school board member told me when he ran for school board he kept thinking why don't these people plan better and then when he got on the school board he goes whoa there's a lot of planning going on there's right. just amazing growth and tackling that is, is is going to be difficult but i i'm gonna tell you i in my reporting career when i made a living as a reporter uh, I have covered school systems that were contracting. So trust me, this is much better than <laughs> closing schools. That is a painful yes. process. Uh, part of your responsibility is security. And I, I interviewed Mike Johnson right after he retired from the Fishers Police Department, where he was heavily involved in the SROs here, the security officers, the uniformed officers you have. And he's now moved into a position uh, with the school system, so that's part of your responsibility. And I think when we take a look at what is what gets the most publicity, of course, is something like an Uvalde mm -hmm. or a Columbine and, and all the other Parkland, those very big incidents, they get a lot of uh, publicity because they are mass events and and they're they are awful but security is really a day-to-day -day thing and mm. and uh, it could be a a com a, a accumulation of things that happen over time that you're trying to prevent so when you look at school security tell me how you ap approach that here locally yes I, and that's a great question and that's something i've been you know planning putting drafting up my models and so forth and working closely with Mike on this. But I, I say, how do I approach it? Well, I have a model I keep in mind, and it's been with me over the years. It's applicable to any operations, people, processes, and technology, right? Those are three things that are part of operations from my point of view, and that's what I basically live by. With the situation, unfortunate situation that happened in Uvalde, um, I've been looking at our schools. What do we currently have in place? What processes, what procedures do we have in place? So I look at 
people and processes right there. What refreshers do we need to have? You know, um, we're looking at all that. We're revisiting um, policies regarding buzzing people in, locked doors, et cetera, down the road. So we're just ensuring that those people, either SROs or those front office, are following the policies in place. Okay, so that's number one. I'm looking at the physical structures as well. Um, not so much on the technology side, but looking at our locking mechanisms and things like that. So that's my approach. What do we currently have in place? And once we identify, which we know what we have in place, I just want to map it out. Then we look to enhance it if necessary. It's interesting because I've been covering the school board for more than 10 years, and I know just a few years ago there was a massive effort to to work particularly on the entrances to the school buildings, mm -hmm. buzzing people in, like you mentioned, making sure there's security at, right at the very beginning where people are walking in. But yet, I think about that. That was several years ago and was certainly uh, the data and, and the technology available at that time. I would have to think that we have more information, more technology, and I assume that's what you're looking at to see what, what can be done further from what's already been done. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. Technology is only good as the people in the process, right? So that's why not we're not looking straight at technology to solve or alleviate any opportunity like challenges, right? We there's we're people well, I call it human capital intensive, right? So we have to make sure people are trained or re refreshed, I call it, on a proper techniques of buzzing people in, uh, SROs and or safety specialists within the school, ensuring that doors are locked, closed, no propping of doors, for example, things like that. So ensuring that and continuously reminding, sending reminders out and doing spot checks. I think that's all uh, what we've been hearing about lately, hasn't yeah. been. When, we, when people look back at what happened at a particular incident, they look at all the issues you you just talked about. Let me move a little bit to, to health care because uh, here uh, there was a decision made by uh, the school district and the uh, Hamilton Southeastern Education Association to do a one-year contract because in the last school year because there were so many unknowns about COVID and other things at the time. Mm -hmm. The idea was we could do a two-year contract with the budget cycle the state has. However, let's go ahead and and, and do one year and renegotiate. So there'll be a renegotiation of the contract. Uh, and, and that contract often is the model for the health care that most of the staff would have uh, in a school system. It's not entirely true, but it, it certainly closely models that. Do you plan on, on looking at possible proposals, or do you think the health care system that the staff currently have is about where it should be, or have you gotten that far yet? I haven't gotten that far. And that's, when I say health care or health services, is more like the clinic nurse what do we call it? The nurse clinic? Yes. I believe it's called the yes. nurse clinic. Um, on that side, I have a director of nursing and so forth. But they may, down the road, ask for my input mm -hmm. um, due to my experience. But I, that's not really in my wheelhouse. Okay, okay. so yeah. let's talk about that part because that okay. is also – because there was a change in how nursing was done. It had, they had been employees. I think there's now a contract with uh, the nursing that's done in the individual school. So things, a lot of the nurses didn't change. Some did, some did right. not. But uh, the nursing uh, uh, program in the schools is very important. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. when my, my kids and my two daughters were, went K through 12 to mm -hmm. HSC schools, and there were times, you know, they needed uh, that service, and it was always there. So when you look at that, uh, what, what are you going to be taking a look at as to how that 
program is done within the school buildings. Well, I want to. I, I, my understanding is we have a partnership with community. That's and correct. We want to continue that. Um, I'm a big out of healthcare again, and also um, 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 academia. I, I'm big on data metrics. So, um, what could help us improve our services? Not that they're lacking or anything, but what needs to be improved? Um, looking at um, you know, how many kids are visiting the nurse, nursing clinic um, each um, school year um, and what for? Um, I used the analogy just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I would like to track that because if somebody's bumping their head and you see a trend of bumping their heads um, and they're coming from the playground, well, maybe we need to look at that equipment. So that's where I'm coming from. That's where I'm And then vaccinations. Um, that's a big one. Um, even when I was at on the uh, Ascension side, um, v- getting kids vaccinated. And if they're non-compliant, at least they have a waiver or something like that. Yeah. But at least you're striving to improve vaccination rates. Let me move on to something else. Now, when I looked at your realm of responsibility, is budget a part of it as well? Do you get involved in the budget? Um, I haven't. I have not yet. Um, I probably will, but I have not yet. Um, I, I believe the new budget cycle is coming up in July, so mm-hmm. I'm just getting up to speed on things. I was going to say that's a big realm there, yeah. so I don't expect you to have a lot to say about it. But I will ask you this: uh, you may not know the answer yet, but one speaking of budgets and how much money the school system will have, uh, the school board has some important decisions to make here in the coming months on the the renewal of a referendum. Our last referendum was in 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, It will, some kind of renewal, we don't know if it will be the same rate that the, uh, there'll be some rate that will probably be almost, almost certainly be requested by the school board to renew that because at the time it was voted in 2016, they lasted for seven years. I believe the legislature's changed that to an eight-year cycle now, if I I recall correctly. But anyway, it's in that area. So that vote will happen next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you anticipate that you will have any involvement in that? I know there are rules about how employees of the school system can be involved. Sometimes you have to do it after hours. A a small select few of the board members and some of the top administrators uh, are allowed to be involved in the referendum during the workday. Has this any idea how your involvement may come, if at all? Yeah, I I have... I am not certain at this point, um, being week six. But, but I, I have to ask. I understood. But if, if, understood. If, you don't, if you don't know yet, yeah, that, that's I, fully I, understandable. Yeah, I just don't know. I've heard the term. I've heard what's been done in the past. Um, there's been discussions from just what has been done in the past. But going forward, um, we're going to need to probably put a plan together. I'm not sure if I'm a part of it or not, okay. because once again, this is a new position. I was going to so. say that, and that is, that is a referendum in the Indiana law and how that works. Uh, you really have to kind of study up on Yes, that. and, and that's... You, and, even and, the private sector, have, yes. I have covered... Well, I've covered one... Uh, operating referendum and several, a couple of uh, building referendums, mm-hmm. which are different. They're kind of a one-time thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the uh, operating referendums are, are really important, but they are complicated. And, <laughs> and yes. so I'm, I, I, if you're not really up to speed on that, I'll I am accept. reading up on it, though. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will be a master of uh, have a master's degree inside and in, in referendum before it's all over. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that. You mentioned earlier that you have uh, strong ties to higher education. 
And that's sort of where you came from before you came here. Mm-hmm. You've been in the private sector. You've uh, had some uh, experience at the university level. I'm just curious. I mean, you've talked a little bit about how you uh, came about the decision to apply for this job. But what is it about K-12 through education that attracted you to apply for this job? It's Especially for this job, it was the mission statement of HSE, which is it has the forward-thinking aspect. It talks about being a forward-thinking school district. And I that gravitated to me because that tells me they're always looking for improvements, opportunity to improve. Um, just improving overall. Um, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be about growth. It could be a process procedure, um, working with different community partners. It just gravitated from that standpoint. I remember looking at the uh, mission statement and just seeing that they want to be community ingrained, right? So that's what attracted me to this position. You, I think you mentioned this earlier. You, you do have a master's of business administration, and as I understand it, you are working on your PhD right now. Is yeah. that correct? Yes, the doctorate. I just completed this past weekend our exams, our comps. Oh my gosh! Well, then yeah. you may. I wasn't sure if you'd an, answer that question. One thing I always love to to ask people who have the PhD or are close to it. What was the subject of your thesis? Um, I haven't did my dissertation yet, but okay. my discipline is management. So um, that that plays into my background, right? Um, but my dissertation defense is planned um, for spring of 2023 right now. Okay. Um, it takes some time to compile data and so forth. But um, Anderson runs it as like a PhD program. You, when you do your three years of coursework, mm-hmm. Then you have to do your comps, which is your major exam. Then, once you pass those, then you could do your dissertation defense. And for those who don't know, a dissertation is basically you're writing a book. Yes, you're and writing, you have to defend it. And you have to defend it through a bunch of other PhDs who are going, right. to, who are going to come in there and try to tear it to pieces. Poke holes in it. Yep. So you do, I, I, have you narrowed down what you want to study? Because dissertations have to be in a fairly narrow plane. Uh, have you thought about possible yes. uh, areas you want to study? Yeah. I want to study uh, I want to study and do my dissertation in some capacity of decision making. Okay? As it relates to the environment. Um, and I haven't narrowed it down yet, but that's where I'm going to focus. Well, that's uh, that's going to be a big job, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. But and I, I've talked to people who recently got their PhDs uh, in this school system recently, and it's interesting how. And I always have to ask that question. <laughs> I never got a PhD, so I always wonder how people uh, choose that. Right. And 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 when you choose it, you have to make sure it's narrow enough right. that nobody else has ever done that, right. and it's it's got to be narrow enough, but still have enough data for you to actually write an extended paper on it. So as you're still at a timeline, you're a year or two away from from that, the way it looks, about a year. Um, I've tried to ask a number of questions here, and uh, understanding you are new, you're six weeks into the job, I've tried to take that into consideration, (laughs) but uh, with all that, is there anything you would like to add before I uh, wrap this up? I just want to say I'm glad to be here and part of uh, HSE Schools, and I'm looking forward to serving and um, providing opportunities and options for improvements as necessary and support our growth. Jimmy Lake is the Chief Operations Officer for the Hamilton Southeastern School, six weeks into the job. And I must say, technology, safety, those are big issues. So you have a lot uh, in front of you. Jimmy Lake, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome.
Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase, Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind. Be kind.